How often do you brush, Ralph? Three times a day, sir. Why must you turn my office into a house of lies? You're right. I don't brush. <laughs> I don't brush. Let's look at a picture book. The Big Book of British Smiles. British smiles were too much for Ralph Wiggum in The Simpsons, and possibly for a team at University College London who have been looking at British smiles and how they compare to those in the US. I'm joined by Richard Watts, uh, who's Head of Research Department of Epidemiology and Public Health at UCL. Hi Richard, thanks for coming in. Thank you very much. Now, we've all heard, I mean we've grown up knowing that uh, American representations of British teeth aren't great. Why did you decide to to actually look at this in a scientific way? We wanted to look at this because in our department and with our colleagues, we're interested in health, we're interested in evidence, and this popular belief has been around for a long time, possibly over 100 years, but the evidence backing it is very, very weak. So what we were interested to do was some detailed analysis of US and English oral health to see if if there was evidence to back up this popular myth about Americans having much better teeth than the British. Mm. I'm sitting here opposite you. Our listeners can't see, obviously, but you seem to have perfectly normal teeth. Why uh, a specific interest in uh, this? Um, because in, at UCL, in the public health department, we have a group that are particularly interested in what's called dental public health. So that's interested in oral health from a public health community perspective. And with colleagues in Harvard, um, we are interested in these international comparisons because often you can understand a lot by making comparisons across countries and different systems. Right. Now, you mentioned there that um, the Smith has been around for maybe 100 years. Where has it come from? Difficult to say exactly where it came from, but we found a reference to um, adverts in the First World War in the U.S., that basically take the mickey out of British teeth being terrible compared to American teeth. So it certainly dates back at least 100 years. Where it originates, that's difficult to say, but it's a very long-standing sort of popular um, belief that has been espoused by um, the media, by Hollywood, etc., etc. Hmm. And just a little bit of history there. Um, we've had the NHS uh, now for 60 years. Um, has dentistry always been part of that? Have the British had access to dentistry in the same way as maybe the Americans uh, would have? Um, dentistry has been part of the NHS from the very foundations, um, but dentistry is um, part of the NHS, but there is a, an element of payment where patients do have to pay some towards the cost of dental treatment. But NHS dentistry is certainly part of the mainstream NHS system, both in primary care for high street dentists, but also in terms of hospital and, and community dentists. Okay, now let's turn to your paper. Um, as you said, you're comparing British and uh, US data. So what are those data sets? Where did you get them from? Right, what we did is we looked at, at um, national data sets from the US, so this is the N. Haynes data set, mm -hmm. which is a large data set around nutrition and health that's collected on a, on a regular basis. So that's a representative sample of American adults. And what we also looked at was what was called the Adult Dental Health Survey, 
which is a national survey of adults um, in England, Wales and Northern Ireland. Um, but we restricted our analysis to English adults just because it's easier to compare England and the US directly. Right. Um, so you've decided to look at uh, three aspects of oral health. Yep. So what, what we looked at is, and what I should might clarify, is these surveys both have clinical information, so that's information dentists measure, but what they also do is interview the people to ask them about their feelings and beliefs about their health and oral health. So what we did is looked at three measures. One clinical measure, which is how many teeth people had missing, so that's the number of teeth. And are those, you know, done by extractions for caries, or is it uh, just, you know... Could um, be a whole range of reasons people lose teeth, but um, what the, the clinical measure is, the dentist basically count the number of teeth and verify the number of people's natural teeth they have. The other measure we did was look at what people's perception of their oral health, so it's self-rated oral health, and then the third measure was people's perception of the impact of oral diseases on their quality of life. So that's impacts such as eating, smiling, etc. So how the mouth might affect people's mm. quality of life. So those were the three measures we looked at. Yep. And then you had uh, a couple of modifiers in there as well, um, income and uh, education. education. So what we were also very much interested in was looking at the patterns of inequality, both by education and income in the US versus England. So those two measures were the measures of socioeconomic position in the samples. Great. So uh, the details of how you crunched everything are in the paper, um, probably too complex to go into just now. So can you give us an overview of what you found? Well, the main results that we found were, the first main result was that when we looked at comparing England with the US, unlike the, the Hollywood um, uh, messages, there were not big differences between England and the US. And indeed, we found that there were significantly higher numbers of missing teeth in American sample than in English sample, which was a surprise. Mm -hmm. The other very important finding was that for all these measures, three measures, inequalities in terms of education, income were very pronounced in U both US and England. But most importantly, they were much bigger, the differences in the US. So inequality there has a bigger impact on people's oral health than it does in Yeah, the UK. well, just by, by looking at these three measures, the differences by education status and by income were just much steeper mm. in the US than they were in England. Mm. Um, I mean, have we, you sort of had any thoughts about why that might be? NHS or, or well, or we we obviously thought through of the potential explanations. Now, with these these cross sectional surveys, you, there's a limitation to how much analysis you can do into the causes of these things. But potential explanations would be inequalities in the US in terms of income are much steeper than they are in the UK, and that might just reflect in people's oral health. So, the more divided society in the US. The other issues could be the health system. So in America, dentistry is largely private. It's pro provided by private dentists, unless you are children and people of a certain age. So dentistry in the US might make the situation worse. Um, and then other potential explanations could be smoking, diet, and the inequalities in the US are, are steeper than in this country in terms of those risk factors. Mm. So you weren't able to look at anything like aesthetics 
effective in this research? No, no. What, one of our limitations was because of the comparability of the clinical data, we couldn't look into lots of different clinical measures like aesthetics or, or detailed disease measures just because the data wasn't comparable. Hmm. Well, maybe something for the future then. Possibly. <laughs> You've been listening to Richard Watts talk about his study, Austin Powers Bites Back, a cross-sectional comparison of US and English national oral health surveys, now available on thepmj.com.